Alright, alright, good morning. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really glad to be here. Two weeks ago today was our last Sunday at the Bridge Church at Miami. And I did the last sermon there, which is going to be my first sermon here this week because I got in the car after church and the wife and I left. We did 11 states, 12 days, 3,700 miles. We always go down and see the mother-in-laws, one in Oklahoma, one in Texas. And then on the way home, we wound up at Mount Rushmore, South Dakota, who knew? But we have been riding around having a good time just being whole husband and wife on the loose. No kids, no time clock, no responsibilities, only to get from here to there and hope that they had a hotel room when we got there. They had one that we did not want. (laughs) We went and got another one. Okay, so for those of you who know me, hi. For those of you who don't know me, hi. (laughs) It's all the introduction you get. No, I'm Ken and I'm the campus pastor of the Bridge Church at Miami and also on staff with H2O. You just don't see me very much because I hide. I don't stand out on campus at all when I'm here. I look like all the other college students. (laughs) And you laugh. You'll get there someday. Okay, this is what I want you to do. While you're in a talkative mood, while you're visiting with each other, while we're improving your moods, because you should have seen the bunch here this morning. The doors were locked, things were running late, we didn't have stuff, you know, all the toys weren't in the right toy chest. So now we're here, and you know what? Whatever happens, like Laura says, whatever Ken says, let's just leave knowing that God was here and he's the reason we came, so that we could be different leaving than we were when we came in. So this is what I want you to do. To those around you, I want to, ask this question for you to discuss just for a moment. What would you ask for? And let me, before I finish the question, let me take money off the table because that's too easy of a fix, okay? Big pot of money, pay all my debts, blah, blah, blah. We know, we get it. It's not the answer. I'll just take that one off the table. But what would you ask for if you could ask for anything that would change your life. Talk amongst yourselves for a second. (laughs) What would you ask for? Unwavering Okay, so now that you've laid your heart bare before each other, let me read you some Bible. Luke chapter 18, the whole chapter. So get ready. We started early today. I'm not used to this. I'm planning on leaving at the regular time. 
And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice for my adversary. adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice so that she'll not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them especially. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men were walking through the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, ex you know, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or all the rest, even that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, wouldn't even lift up his eyes to the heavens. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be exalted. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And they were bringing infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. And Jesus called to them, saying, let the children come in to me. Don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all of these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you, will be, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, and he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter into the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Remember that line. And Peter said, see, we've left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, but I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times in this time and in the age to come. He was talking to the twelve and he said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and, they be and he'll be mocked and shamed, treated, and treated horribly and spit on. And after flogging him, they will kill him and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what, they, what was said. He drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the side of the road begging and hearing the crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they said to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. 
And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped, commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. It's a lot of stuff. Let me just make this statement. I believe, I wrote it down so I'd get it right. I believe wholeheartedly in the supernatural power of God. The sometimes amazing and sometimes spooky workings of the Holy Spirit. But let me say, from, right from the start, this is not going to be a teaching about, you know, get rich quick and, and prosperity gospel and all that kind of stuff. This is going to be a teaching that it goes way, way past greed. But acquiring from God. There's a difference. We need to move out of our common sense thinking about the way life is and into God's supernatural abilities. Look look at the biblical examples. Genesis. God speaks things into creation. He said, boom, there it was. And he creates and he creates and he creates and he builds and he blesses and everything is good. No easy feat. Things are created, things go bad. Things go bad, people get, you know, thinking it's their own way. God pulls out a separate group, calls them out to be his own, blesses them, they grow, and and he takes care of them. Even in the drought, he sends them to a country where they'll be safe, and then they're enslaved. And in the book of Exodus, God shows up again in so many different supernatural ways, though, just to get them out of the country. There's all these miracles that happen, even to the parting of the Red Sea, and using that same sea to wipe out the pursuing Egyptian army. And the manna, and the quail, and the water, and all of the provision that God gives by His supernatural abilities. You get a little bit further down the road, and they're about to go into the promised land, milk and honey, you know, good news all around. Let's go take it. And they walk in, and there's this fortified city with huge walls, and we already know that the people who live in these cities are bad, as in mean, as in they're not going to give up what they have. And yet God has promised, this is your land. Go in, and I will give it to you. You don't have to take it. I'll give it to you. So in order to defeat the city, they walk around it seven times, blow their horns, and the walls come tumbling down. You know? And it's God's supernatural abilities. We read this over and over and over, and yet somehow we just still don't get it, like the disciples when Jesus told again about his impending death. It's like it's still kind of cloudy and hidden from us. Look at this chapter. I ask you, what would you ask for that would change your life? Well, in this chapter, we see several people asking. The widow asking for justice. God says you'll have justice. 
the tax collector asking for mercy from the shadows. And the mercy God gracefully endowed him with. And the, the children just asking for presence with Jesus. Just to be with Jesus. And the rich young ruler asking for eternal life. But really learning what's in his heart. Asking of Jesus these supernatural things. It's very commonplace in the Bible because this is the same God of the Old Testament, the part the seas, the drop the walls, the create by speaking God of the Old Testament is the God, Jesus, who walked among us. Right? Uh-huh, yeah, okay, good. I want to make sure we're on the same page. Jesus, God. So, when we look at this stuff, We need to focus in and just see the extraordinary, extraordinary, supernatural character of God. So Jesus is on the tour bus, and they usually his tour goes back and forth from Galilee to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem to Galilee, and back and forth. Today, we're taking a little side view through Jericho. And on the way to Jericho, you got to know, I, I got I was really blessed several years ago to go to Israel and to, to travel that road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And it's some nasty looking landscape. It's just barren and rocky and hilly and rough. And when you read through the Psalms, you know, and that shadow of the valley of the, you know, and all that kind of stuff, that's the valleys they were kind of looking at in some of those places where the robbers would hang out. Jesus told the story about the guy getting beat up and the priest and the Levite and everybody going by and only the Samaritan helping. I was on the road to Jericho. It's a tough road. But you round the corner and all of a sudden you look up out of this desert, out of this barrenness, Jericho. And it is literally an oasis still today. And it's just green and there's orchards and there's just grass and, and stuff. It's just crazy. I mean, they had fruit like oranges that were this big. I was like, I got to get some of that. Because I had oranges growing up in my backyard. They were like this big. You know, what is this? And it's, a, it's an amazing place. So Jesus is walking into Jericho. And there's always the entourage. There's always, you know, the paparazzi wanting to take his picture. There's always the people wanting to ask him stuff. You know, the Pharisees got to question Jesus all the time. Everything's going on. It's pretty hectic. And on the way into town is also where the beggars would be because they know that people coming into town have money. On the other side of the road, going out of town, they've, they've already spent their money. So they're on the side of the road as they come into town and there's beggars there. And this beggar, this blind guy is sitting there. Blind guys have an interesting place in Scripture. There's another blind guy that Jesus healed and a few weeks ago, I, I spoke about this when I was at a church. And he just rubs a little mud in his eyes and tells him to go to the pool and wash it out. And, you know, I asked the church there, I said, when did this guy's faith display itself? When with mud in his eyes, he turned and he walked towards the pool in obedience. That's when his faith displayed itself. 
And everybody was amazed, and there was all this uproar. Well, he's always been blind from birth, and the parents called the parents in, asked them, you know, and all this stuff. And he was put out of the temple because the Pharisees didn't like his answers and all this stuff. It was a big deal. There's another blind guy on the side of the road going into Jericho. And he's out there doing his blind guy thing, begging. And he hears the hubbub coming down the road, and he hears all the clatter and all the chatter, and he's just sitting there going like, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? And the people are like, shh, be quiet, be quiet. No, no, what's going on? Well, Jesus of Nazareth is coming by, so just behave yourself. Okay. And so as soon as the crowd gets noisy enough, and he hears, and, and he realizes Jesus has got to be close now, he goes, son of David, here I am. Look at me, the blind guy. Have mercy. Shut up. Be quiet. Don't bother him. Okay, okay. Jesus! Here I am! Look at me with your eyes that work. And Jesus is going like, who is this? And he looks over and he calls him out. And he says to him, and I think this is one of the most legit questions that you'll ever find in Scripture. Because it's Jesus, God, supernatural, super powerful, super cool, Jesus, looks at this guy and says, what do you want me to do for you today? What would we do with that? What would we do with that? For Jesus to ask us, what do you want me to do for you today? We should pray right now. Father, we have opened up your word and we have seen the stories that you tell, but more than stories, there are lessons to be learned. Help us to listen with ears that hear. Help us to see with eyes that are wide open. Help us to know in the deepest, innermost parts of our being that you are God. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had a time in your life when you wanted something supernatural to happen? Maybe you were in trouble, maybe you were hurt, maybe you were so discouraged or so whatever. You needed a supernatural thing, something, anything, please, to happen. You were up against the wall. I mean, you had no hope of your own abilities for deliverance. It was beyond your hands. You ever been there? Maybe you have. Maybe you've maybe you can breathe the sigh of relief and say, "Well, no, I don't think I have." You might. And you're going to want to remember this story. What is your expectation of God, though? This is what it hinges on. What is your expectation of God when you cry out, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What is your expectations? How do we move from the realm of our common sense thinking, this I can do, this I can't do, this seems possible, this does not seem possible. We always put it into our common sense thinking. How do we move from that to God? 
who is outside of our understanding and our common sense and our own abilities. It's the same God of the Bible. It's the same God who did, who did all those things in the Old Testament that we just like, ooh, we're not sure if we really believe it. Let me just ask you, what about the flood? What about the flood? God really do that? What about the sun standing still, even backing up? Did God really do that? What about the raising from the dead? What about all of those things that we read in Scripture? And here we are sitting in our realm of higher education and critical thinking and all of this. And we are taught to question. We are taught to poke the bear. God really do that stuff? What are your expectations? Because it's going to be the lack of your expectations that's going to keep God from doing. Okay? Wait a minute. I'm more powerful than God? Because of my lack of expectation, God's not going to work? Nope, that's not how it works. You got nothing, okay? Let me just tell you up front. When it comes to comparing you, God. You. Anyway, you can't, you can't ask it like that. But it will be your lack of expectation that keeps you from embracing the truth that the God of Scripture really, really, really did those things. And He really, really, really is alive today and is the same God. Hmm. There's always obstacles, though. This same God who has the power to overcome every obstacle in our life today, though, is going to be the one that we're going to question. How did we get to where we are in our world today? How did we lose focus? How did we not see the God of creation and the God of deliverance and the God of so many things? How did we focus on ourselves so much? How did we learn how to focus on only what our hands could touch and our hands could hold? The supernatural and the natural are two very distinct realms of existence. And most of the time, we think about them existing one over here, one over here. When for God, it's just like here. And the supernatural of God is all over the natural of kin. All the time. It's just whether or not I expect to see it. And hope to see it. And I'm not too scared to see it, because really, it's kind of spooky. This God that I worship. This God that I follow. Have you met my God yet? Awesome. And he's scary. And yet he loves me. And I don't get it. God has connected the dots in my life. In amazing ways. I have so many miracles that I could tell you about where God has touched my life. Miracles that would be described as, wow, and miracles that really, you think that's a miracle? The fact that she stayed with me over 38 years? I think it's a miracle. 
The fact that I came out of the hospital. The fact that I crossed the street in Clifton. <laughs> all of these miracles happen all around us. And do we see the extraordinary supernatural presence of God in our life every day? When God connects the dots, we're, we're right in the middle of the dots, and we usually see the dots connected in hindsight much better than we see them presently or looking towards the future. Oh, I see what God did there. I see why I wound up living there and doing that for a while before coming here and doing this. I, I see how that works out now. I didn't get it then. There are things that we have to ask ourselves. I've got little questions. Are my expectations of God shaking the norms in my own life? Again, it's your expectations that are going to set the level of response for God in your life. Are they moving me to trust in something more than our own ability? We're highly educated, very capable people with far more technological advance and Medical advance and advances and advances than ever before. Are my expectations of God shaking the levels of common sense? Or are you just going to be satisfied? Are you just going to be satiated with whatever God will get by? Heaven's way out there. It's going to be amazing. Right now, it's kind of stinky. Right now, God, I know, you're limited because of this. Really? Where did that come from? Our expectations define how God is going to work in our lives. If you do not ask of God, the answer is always going to be no. What? If you do not ask of God, the answer is always going to be no. And if you perceive a yes, and you haven't asked God, you're probably just sliding in collateral blessing from somebody else asking, okay? Because the answer is always going to be no if you don't ask of God. Wait, doesn't God just bless us, you know, even when we don't know? Didn't God just, you know, keep my tire from blowing out when I ran over that thing on the highway out in the middle of, you know, South Dakota? Didn't God, you know, does God take care of us? Does God protect us? Yes. But when I'm asking, when I'm expecting, when I'm needing, God, God wants to hear us. He wants to hear our heart. What if, what if this guy didn't ask? Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Well, what do you want me to do for you today? Oh, nothing. Never mind. I'm really doing okay. Got a nice rock here to sit on. Got the shade of all these taller people. It's okay. What if you'd never asked? What if we choose to settle for less? And what God desires for us. 
And again, I'm not talking about just material things. I'm talking about life more abundant than you could ever hope or imagine to understand. Heaven, thy kingdom come on earth as it is over there. It begins now. God is busy now. God is not going to wait and show you cool stuff only in heaven. You just get to talk to a bunch of old dead people and together watch God do stuff. But it begins now, and we need to learn to live like that. So what's holding you back? What is the level of your own expectation? Because you'll never rise above the level of your expectations with God. He knew in his heart that the thing he desired the most that would change his life was the exact thing that Jesus could do for him. He knew it. What do you want for me to do in your life today? What do you got for me to do for you? I don't know. Let me think. Uh, well, no. Maybe. No, he was ready. I want my sight. I want to see with my little eye. I want to spy stuff with my children and my grandchildren. I want to see. You think you can do that for me, Jesus? No, he didn't even ask. He just said, I want to see. And Jesus said, your faith is your ticket to seeing. Boom. And he saw, and he celebrated, and he danced, and he sang, and he followed Jesus. And he was amazed at all the things. Oh, I never thought you'd look like that. Wow, you're beautiful. You're amazing. Well, look at all that. Wow. They just couldn't shut him up, I'm sure. He just talked and talked and talked for days. Did you see that? <laughs> I've never been able to say that before. <laughs> Did you see that? Because I never saw it. Here's the problem with this kind of teaching. Here's the problem with this kind of living. That those who surrounded him were not his encouragers. Did you notice? Those people closest to him that probably knew him, that maybe saw him out there all the time, maybe even do him an alm or two every day, you know, whatever. Those who were around him were not on his side. Shut up. Just be still. It's Jesus for pity's sake. I know, Jesus! You know, shut up. Whenever you choose to call out on Jesus and your expectations are high, you're going to be met with an amazing amount of resistance. With negativity. With doubt. Some of it will come from within. And you've got to beat that down. And you've got to push that away. Let your expectations just soar. But also, don't listen to the people. Jesus didn't listen to the people. Don't let those kids bother him. Come on, get him out of here. Get him out of the way. No, 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 no. Let the little children come because here's your lesson about heaven. Why is it that people around us, well-meaning sometimes, not 
trying to, to mess us up, slow us down, hinder our walk with God. They don't mean that. But why is it sometimes people around us tell us, no, you can't do that. You can't change. I feel God calling me to go and to do this. Are you kidding? You can't go do that. That's not even your major. Look at all the money you've spent. Look at all the papers you wrote. Look at all the time you invested in that degree. And you think God wants you to go do it? What are you? Nuts? Yes. <laughs> because sometimes God's ways are not like our ways and His thoughts are not like our thoughts. And He sees things and gives us sight that we never had before. And other people don't see it. They don't get it. And I'm one of those people. I'm a parent. You're going to what? You know? I know when I went to my parents and told them this is what I'm thinking I'm going to do with my life. And they're like, really? And I talked to so many people. And I've been, at, I've been in this business for a long time. And they're always like, when are you going to get a real job? When are you going to get to be a real preacher? Well, that's probably never going to happen. The people... I mean, you would expect the non-believers, you would expect the critics, you would expect the scribes and Pharisees of your life to, to you know, throw spitwads at you, but the people that are closest to you, I really don't think they mean evil to you. I think they just don't see what you see. I am here to help you understand that if you're going to move from the normal to the not normal because your God is way ahead of you already there, I want you to, to know that it's okay. I want you to know that it's okay to risk. I want you to know that it's okay. But I also want you to know you need to make sure it's Jesus. How do we do that? It's your faith that has given you sight. And that's what we're working on all the time, right? That's why we show up on Memorial Day weekend and gather in a place where, you know, other things are, are always held and, and yet we come in here and we do church. And we come together and we pray together and we sing together and we celebrate together. Because we want more of Jesus than what we had coming in. And I want more of Jesus for you than you had coming in this morning. And when you leave, I want more of Jesus for you tomorrow too. Because there's enough to go around. Sometimes we have to challenge the common sense things. Lord, I want to see what happens if Jesus says no? What happens if Jesus says, I've got a better plan for you than sight? Wow. Hadn't thought of that one. Lord, I'm tired of being single.
Dangerous question. Sounds funny from the guy being married for 38 years. But I have friends who've never been married. How does God fill us all up as we pursue him, whether we're single or not single, whether we're healthy or not healthy? How do we hear the voice of Jesus? What do you want from me today? How do we know what to ask for? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. We look for the deepest things that we can possibly look for and ask God to take us there. Don't settle. Don't hold back. Do you believe your faith has restored your sight, Jesus said. Faith is a huge issue, not just for salvation, but for life transformation every day. Faith is a big deal. And God is not obligated to answer, but it's your faith that will lead you and sustain you and guide your stamps, everything. It's not, a, it's not about the thing that you're asking of God. It's just the person you're asking. He started off identifying. Son of David, have mercy on me. Nobody else around here can fulfill this. Nobody else around here can meet my needs. Nobody else around here has the ability to do what I'm about to ask. Son of David, Lamb of God, Savior of the world, Creator and Giver of life. Look at me. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to take those steps? Because faith is a huge issue. What happens if we don't? What happens if we hesitate? What happens if we are afraid? The answer is no. Suck it up. Get it all together. Move forward. Step up. Put your yes on the table before you hear the question. All those things that I try to encourage people with. Look at Jesus and ask. And then wait for his response. What would you ask for of your Jesus today that would change your life? There's your question. Maybe your life needs to be changed from the very deepest part and you just need to have a Savior who forgives you of your sin because He loves you more than anybody else has ever loved you. And He's provided for you salvation, forgiveness, life eternal. If we just call upon His name and believe that He has risen from the dead and is who He says He is, Maybe that's the first decision you need to make today. Before any of that other stuff will ever even matter, that one's got to be settled. And I know you show up on a Sunday morning in a place kind of on the backside of campus or in the heart of campus on a holiday weekend in the summer, probably preaching to the choir, but at the same time, even choir members know how to sing out of tune and don't match. 
don't harmonize. There may be someone here who just hasn't settled that. And I would love for you to settle that. If you need to know how to settle that, you can talk to me, you can talk to Laura, you can talk to Daniel, you can talk to so many people sitting around here that I know would be happy to help you. Settle that question, how do I get Jesus in my life in the first place? But then there's so many things to ask beyond that. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to worry. I want you to boldly ride. I want you to go forward because your God's there waiting on you already. One more prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, I ask on behalf of every man and woman in this room, speak to us. Challenge our hearts. Change our thinking. Let us see you in a new way that we have never before seen you. And let us not be hesitant. Let us not be afraid. Let us not be tired and weary because our common sense tells us one thing. Let us remember that we have a very uncommon God. That we have a very amazing and able God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.